If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 379 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, a.k.a. The Pod God. Joined today by Graham McDonald to talk about a massive weekend in the world of mixed martial arts. But before we get into all of that, we must tell you about our good friends over at Manscaped and it's Smooth Sack Summer. Uh, it's slowly coming to an end, but you have been scaping for the summer sun and it's not too late to sweep your sack for those pesky pubes. As summer comes to an end, we enter the autumn or fall if you're over in America or Ian O'Neill. Uh, <laughs> keep your voice clean and fresh just in time for the fresh ball fall. The leader in below the waist grooming, Manscaped, is here to make sure your pubes feel smoother than a beach ball and smell fresher than your girl's pumpkin spice. Start the new season the right way. Jeez, uh, that's good now. And join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer for you. That's 20% off with free worldwide shipping when using the code SEVEREMMA over at manscaped.com. And as everyone knows, I've been using Manscaped non-stop during this summer. I know Graham has as well because... It's been so warm. It's been absolutely roasting here. And I've absolutely loved the liquid formulations, the crop preserver, ball deodorant. It keeps you cool in the heat. Smoothing aloe vera formula is the best in the business for the blow. The waste cleanliness, absolutely brilliant. I love it so much. It's the best thing you can get. And it's part of that performance package 4.0, which is absolutely everything that you need along with the nose uh, and ear hair trimmer, as well as the lawnmower 4.0. You have those liquid formulations I just talked about, as well as the boxer briefs, uh, briefs and the travel bag. The lawnmower 4.0, let me tell you about that. It has advanced Kinsef technology, 7,000 RPM motor with a new multi-function on and off switch that can engage travel lock. Uh, it gives you ability as well to turn on the 4,000 uh, uh, 4, yes, 4, K LED spotlight, which uh, is actually absolutely brilliant and for a, a more precise shave. It's also waterproof. Uh, whether hopping in the shower uh, or hitting up a lake, this razor will devour even the strongest pubes. Um, I, I told you about the liquid formulations, uh, but to put all of that stuff into it, you get the uh, performance package uh, 4.0 boxers and the shed travel bag as well. So that's absolutely great. Keep yourself groomed from head to toe as well with the Shears 2.0, which is a luxury uh, nail grooming kit. Uh, it includes uh, stainless steel nail cutters, tweezers and grooming scissors. I actually have that package as well. It's really, really good, to be honest. So 
As I said, head to toe, the performance package 4.0 and the shears 2.0 as well. And get 20% off of all of that, plus free shipping. I love the free shipping, lads. It's absolutely great. Shipping costs are an awful ball. <laughs> um, and you get the free shipping and 20% off manscaped.com with the promo code SEVEREMMA. Use that code SEVEREMMA, 20% off and free shipping. Keep things smooth and fresh, as we say. Sayonara to smooth ball summer and enter fresh ball fall. Right, Graham, let's talk about uh, USC Paris, I suppose. And uh, it was. Harry. <laughs> yeah, why not? We might as well go with Actually, John, it really annoys me when people can't say, like, the French names or don't say the French names properly. Like, it, it, even, like, Francis Ngannou. Like, why Why do people say Francis all the time? It's so fucking nice. If you can say, you know, fucking Hinato Moicano or something, you can pronounce that properly. Or, you know, if you learn how to say Jacare or Habib Nurmagomedov. But you can't say Francis. You have to say, Fr- oh, Francis. Uh, that, I don't know why. That, that, that just, like, always has fucking annoyed me. Francis sounds more like an Irish, an Irish mammy or something, though, so maybe they're trying to, <laughs> trying to tie that Irish connection in there in case we, in case we need a, maybe, it's an Irish fighter or something. <laughs> maybe, yeah, we, we, we'll claim Cyril and Francis to the two Irish heavyweights there in the United States. We'll take the one of them. But uh, I suppose the first thing about this car, the, I thought the crowd, the crowd were like, Insanely good, but insanely bad at the same time. They were like constantly booing just everything, um, and then they were uh, they were amazing as well and very loud. And I, I spoke to a few people who were over there, and they are all kind of saying like, "This is you know up there with UFC Dublin, and this was one of the you know one of the, the best UFCs of all time." And obviously, when they come to a new region, it's it's going to be massive. I think like a few people were worried because you could even see. I, I think it was it might have been Silgani in his. Uh, post-fight interview where he kind of said, uh, "Oh, you know, the people were, were were thinking about what this, what way this crowd would react, and this is what you know France has showed them or something." So there has always been that element in France of like anti-MMA, you know, because uh, the the traditional martial arts are massive in French, they are in French in France with their uh, you know, great background in judo and other uh, martial arts as well. And that, you know that's probably a big reason. I think it is a big reason why mixed martial arts uh, wasn't legalized in the current guys anyway until now. And you know Bellator obviously have been there in Aries and now the UFC as well. So uh, it, I think it was it was big for them. But you know the, the French people, I don't think they'll uh, be. Well, they probably will be an item for saying, but they're they're a, they're a bit contrary, <laughs> you know. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. And I think they were definitely a bit contrary last night. But it made. Do you know what? It made for a different event because the UFC, we talk about it all the time. It's very samey. It's very homogenized. You wouldn't know if you're in fucking Abu Dhabi, New York or Dublin. Like it's, it's, it's very, very hard to tell, but they made it different. And you could, you know, even by singing the French national anthem in the middle of the main event and other, you know, other parts of it as well, they were, they were very, very good. And I, I would love the UFC to kind of play into that a little bit more and you know, make it different on purpose, do a little bit of things. I'm not saying, you know, to take our production and put it upside down or anything like that. But let us know you're in France. Let us know you're in Paris more than saying, oh, we're in Paris, France, and this is a groundbreaking event at the start, and then just getting on with the fights. You know, um, go. It's kind of the same thing you're talking about there. It's kind of the same thing with the posters and the promotion and the pre fight hype and all. It's all just 
formula egg and the same. Yeah. You know, uh, like we knew it was in Paris. We knew it was historic because we're, we've been following MMA for a long time. We've seen the struggles to get it legalized in MMA. But as you said, if you're just a casual turn it on, that could have been in the apex for all. For, like I know the crowd and all that, but the crowd's gone mad, but it could have just been another, another show. Like, you know, obviously the, the crowd was, was up for it and stuff, but I, I do agree that like, okay, maybe not all the time. I understand there's 40 odd shows or a year or whatever. They have to kind of have some kind of formula, but they can't break out every now and again, kind of like what you're saying and, you know, make it feel a little bit special. Like it, uh, maybe they could do that three or four times a year and it wouldn't be too much of a strain on the company. I know it's, everything's happening real quickly and all that. And they probably use that excuse, but you know, there's been a battle for a lot of years to get uh, MMA legalized in, in France and they finally come and the crowd are up for it. And the UFC just kind of, I don't know, phoning it in in a way. Yeah, I, uh, like even, do you remember that main event when McGregor was in that time and they, uh, they put the, the green, white and gold octagon and they did the same for, Ch- I think it was Chad Mendes as well with the American flag. Put, yeah, with Sinead f- O'Connor and the guy from whatever, yeah. from the band. I don't know. I can't remember. But put put the French flag in there, you know? But imagine that, that would have been just a, something a little bit different and it would have been unbelievable as well. I think, uh, even something as small as that, like I think Bellator did it very well when they went to Hawaii and they made it look a little bit different and not they didn't go mad or anything like that but it was it was cool and you know they had like the, the Hawaiian Hulu band or whatever you would call them Hula band is it uh, playing and it was it, they just made it a little bit cool I, I think they, the OC could have done something like that but I haven't said that anyway it was the, and the main point there is the crowds overtook us you know the crowd made it cool the crowd made it feel special and feel different good, good and bad you know and it was uh it was definitely an, an event worth remembering. Everyone there as well were saying like it was unbelievably warm, <laughs> which is uh, which is probably not a great thing as well. We've all been in events that were absolutely roasting. There was nothing like the fucking pandemic events when it was warm and you had to wear the masks the whole time. It was absolutely boiling. So I, I feel for those people uh, last night in Paris. But uh, great to see, uh, great to see Paris open and what. What a main event, but what a, uh, it, it was, a go- I think, a good card coming up to it, I would say. Maybe not a blow-away card, but a lot of enjoyable fights throughout it. But in, I, I love the co-main event, but that main event was absolutely fantastic. Seal Gannon tied to Ivasa. Like, it looked to me, Graham, and I don't know if you got to take as well in that first round, as if Tai Tuivasa uh, was just going to be like at the end of Ganya's jab and at the end of that front kick for five rounds. I got that feeling early. I was listening to, to our, our good friends over in Second Captains the other day and someone was on talking about some, I think it was a Newcastle game or something. And it was like 10 minutes in, you knew it was going to be a nil all, you know? I, I, think, I, f- I feel like this one, and you should never say that in MMA and you should never say that in a heavyweight MMA fight especially, but I just felt, even though I kind of predicted the fight to go this way over in the betting show last week, that that it'd be, you know, uh, build up to maybe a finish and two of us would go for it and get knocked out. I just felt like in the first round, was, if it was going to be a longer, slower fight. What, what was your feeling early and did, did you think it had turned into the fight it did early? Because I certainly didn't. Yeah, well, like, I thought it was kind of probably going to go where Cyril was going to kind of pick him off the outside before the fight and then that seemed to be happening in, in you know, in the first round as you mentioned. But in fairness to Tito say you can take fucking some some serious shots and uh, comeback swinging, and you know his his method of victory definitely was wasn't going to a decision. It was it was getting uh, Cyril out of there, and you know in the moments where he was kind of in trouble, he he did his best to kind of counter that with, with big knockout shots. But uh, he, he the skill level was just was just too big. I think you know obviously Taito Vasi is going to be a problem for a lot of people in that heavyweight division, but uh, Cyril is just technically and ability-wise, as an all-rounded MMA fighter, it's just, it's just too much for him. And uh, 
I think that's what showed here. Like so, Cyril made it a, you know, or sorry, Tai Tuivasa made it a made it a fight. Like you know, he did it, he did it, he did his best, but I think in the end, you know, it was always kind of Cyril's fight to lose. Yeah, Tuivasa, I think did. Probably as well in this fight as he could have. He tried his hardest. He win for you. Sometimes you see fights, and a fighter who is like the clear um, inferior fighter in terms of technique and the ability to uh, game plan to the you know to, to to basically destroy your opponent. And there's a lot letting them do anything. That person who is on the wrong end of that, we see it a lot of the times in not just in fighting sports but in all sports. They just kind of can't get out of that uh, place and won't get out of that place in some uh, aspects of it. Taito Avasa just refused to do that. He's like, I'm fucking getting out of this. I'll go out either with my sword, uh, my shield or on it. And unfortunately for him, he went out on it. But he almost went out winning that fucking fight because he, he landed on Ganya absolutely hard. And that second round was an absolute round of the year contender. But the fir- like the first round, I think early Ganya was winning on the outside. But that head kick changed the fight a little bit. He hit. Tuivasa really fucking hard with that and you could see a few times Tuivasa was just off the mark like he walked through that head kick you know pretty well you know <laughs> you know, uh, and he, you could see he was just off the mark and if he could do something like a little bit different get inside a little bit you, I thought he might have been able to have a little bit of success and that is an odd thing to say uh, when Sealgan is fighting because usually people don't get close to him in terms of with the, with the striking like that because he's so big and tall and especially to Ivasa who had uh, you know a reach disadvantage I would say by a good bit it looked massive anyway but in the second round Gany got knocked down hard um, and you know to Ivasa went for him and like thank God um, you know Mark Goddard was in there because another referee might have stopped it but he gave him you know he gave him the, uh, the time and he got back up obviously and didn't attack that body and just went Teep, teep, teep to the body, and it was. Uh, it was at this point I stopped taking notes because it just turned into an absolute war, back and forth. Both guys hurt. Both guys hurt. It was a one stage to Avassa looked like okay, he got hit hard. Now he's out of it, and he. I think I'm pretty sure he was playing possum, and he yeah, came yeah. back and he hit Candy with a right hand. Did you think that too? Yeah, I was watching it with my cousin actually, and uh, uh, he was like, "Oh my god, he's finished!" And I was like, uh, I, "I was actually, I, I think he's, I think he's faking it." <laughs> and then he came back with a with a punch of his own and seemed absolutely grand. He seemed to be off balance when he was faking, in my opinion, and then. Um, the second kind of serial stepped in, he was back with, <laughs> he was back uh, steady on his feet throwing punches. So I do think, I do think he used that. Maybe he got clipped a little bit, but I think he over exaggerated it to try and uh, draw serial in to try and you know counter with a big punch and pull him away. And you know it's not the worst tactic because serial no. did kind of run in and nearly did get fucking clipped. So you know uh, it doesn't look good for the scorecards. But as I said earlier, Taito Ivasi, I doubt his game plan had anything to do with the scorecards. So I think that was actually a pretty good uh, little plan he had there. Definitely, yeah, hundred percent. I, I think, I, I don't think you could criticize Taito Avassin the way he fought at all. Even like even in that first round where he was losing, he was he was trying his best and he was almost clipping him. And then, like, I watched back to Derek Close. I didn't rewatch this week that the fight with Taito Avassin. And he really took advantage unbelievably well of his moments and when they got close. And when they got close, sometimes you know you uh, Yan is a great example of it. Peter Yan, when. 
uh, it gets into a clinch and there's kind of a break. He land like a spinning elbow or something like that, or he land like one big punch or maybe one, two big punch. Taito Ivasa lands like four big punches when he gets into those situations because he knows this is the area where I have to win it in and I'm going to take it. And you just love a fighter like that who is so ultra confident and so, you know, well drilled in that area that they need to win the fight that they do it and they did you know that's that's performance you know he's 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 getting his performance out there he's not leaving in the gym and you like okay he lost but you you couldn't criticize him after that in terms of he he did what he needed to do to win the fight it was just still Ganyu. look i think Ganyu proved stuff last night that he's never proved before in terms of that he can take shots he has heart he has determination he go back you know there's this meme that everyone is fucking tweeting out and i see a thousand people tweeting it out with like you know he's the dog in him with a with a dog in, in the heart and he did he proved he had the dog in him uh did, did Ganyu as well as i know it was it was a fight where you know people often say it, and I, I, you know, I very rarely agree with it. That both people come out looking better, and I think this was one of the rare occasions where both of these fighters did come out looking better. I, I think Taito Ivasa's stock rises. I think Seal Ganya's stock rises as well. And I, I I've always been a fan of Taito Ivasa. I liked him an awful lot, even when he was you know in and out, uh, in and out of the UFC or in and out of uh, you know contention or losing fights. I always thought he had the skill as well as the power which you needed him heavyweight and I think maybe more people are on that bandwagon now as well of enjoying tied to Ivasa fights but it was it was an epic fight that round two to me was one of the, the honestly I, I think it was one of the best rounds I've ever seen like it's it's definitely up there for round of the year I'm sure you know I have a bad memory now but I'm sure there are another couple of rounds out there as well which people will remind me of which were great rounds but it's if it doesn't win it it's, it's without a shadow of a doubt a contender because it was knockdowns it was lads hurt oh, it was just it was, it was absolutely it was it was an absolutely epic fight and uh, uh, you know a great finish as well by uh, by Seal Gan who kept going after him and kept landing big shots. I think Ganyu as well. They were talking about in the commentary about how he is uh, you know knocking out sparring partners and stuff, which is uh, as Bisping said. I, uh, I'm sure that the sparring partners are happy with that sarcastically, obviously. But he needed a bit, like, he needed a bit more of that dog in him. I think, in terms of offensively, we never knew it kind of defensively or, or in non defensively is not the word, but in his heart that he had it that people have to show. But he did show that. But I think in terms of the offensive kind of doggedness that Tuivasa has when he lands those four shots against the cage, and most people would only land one. I don't know if Gan has had to show that before to be honest uh, but he certainly showed it last night I was very very impressed with him. was there anything you could say negatively about that fight Graham or, uh, I, I loved it so much like it was one of those ones where I was just sitting there aghast at the majesty of this fucking fantastic fight I don't think I can say anything about it, about it. I think it was the second round that you're talking about where I think uh, Cyril threw two kicks a knee and a body shot uh, or in a punch to the body and uh, kind of stepped away and just ate a big left <laughs> straight away. You could see that it definitely affected Taito Ivasa and the body shots, the way he reacted, but he's just such a tough nut that he was just waiting for his chance to swing to swing that big left, and he landed and backed Cyril off. And when he did knock, knock Cyril down, he uh, Cyril got up quickly, but he hit him with a big punch as he was getting up. And so many times you've seen that punch put a guy down and, you know, a flurry finished the fight, but he showed he, like, you know, he has that fighting spirit and he has a chin on him and, I think we learned a lot about him. I think we learned a lot about Taito Ivasa as well. You know, uh, I think this was this was a really good fight. It was exciting, and uh, uh, it was it was on a knife edge at, at all times, and right up until the finish. You know, uh, both guys were throwing heavy. 
I think uh, you mentioned about Cyril. Um, I think his coach told him they want him to like you know hurt his training partners in in inspiring. They want him to kind of be more be more aggressive and be more kind of ruthless. And I think he tried to do that, but against Taito Ivasa, you know, he's he's always just loading up that punch, trying to put you away. So you know, uh, it's a hard fight to kind of turn it around for Cyril if when you've been such a kind of technical safe guy. It's a it's a scary guy and tied to Ivasa to kind of change that and go for it more. But he did it and it you know it worked out really well for him. Obviously he got the finish spectacularly, but he was in an absolute like fight for the you know contender fight cont- or uh, contender for fight of the year. Well no shadow it was it was it was absolutely brilliant. It was it was yeah, it was it was fantastic, and I, I can't say enough good things about it. But uh, yeah, well, I'm sure it's a fight uh, we'll talk about more this week as well. And if uh, any questions over in the Q and A, you can fire them in over on patreon.com forward slash Severe MMA Podcast, and uh, I will answer them uh, this week because it was it was manic. It was absolutely manic. I, I must go back and watch it again to be honest. So someone was actually asking me, I you know, about the, the second round and how you score it. I think all three judges gave it the same way. I gave it to Cyril Gagne. I, I at the time gave it to Taito Ivasa, but I, I'll have to go back and watch it because I, uh, you know, I was couldn't have been in a worse position to judge that fight if I'm being honest because I did lose my shit in the middle of that. But uh, oh, I was, uh, it didn't matter in the end, obviously. But it was, a, it was a magnificent fight and. Uh, Oh, brilliant! I, like after this, they're they're going to have to go back to France. But I, I we were saying it last week, and like the US is in a position right now where they can put on high level fights outside of pay per view times because they already have this deal with ESPN where they're getting that big pay per view money anyway. If you look at WWE yesterday, they put on um, a big stadium show in. Cardiff and it was on television at like normal time here on BT Sports I think the UFC should be doing things like that Now you could argue that this was that right but this doesn't have like the heavyweight title fight in the main event this isn't a pay-per-view card do you know what it's a pay-per-view card apart from if you added the heavyweight title fight on top of Ganyu Tuivasa, Whitaker, uh, Vittori and the rest then absolutely but I, I really think they need to start Start doing that in London as well. They really need. They really need to start bringing big fights, big title fights. I think because they have the ability to do that now for the next few years. Imagine how massive that'd be. The amount, amount of people you'd be able to get watching it live. And I think. I think. I just think it'd be huge. And I think. Okay, they, it might cost them a bit of money, but in the long term, I really think it'd benefit them. And they need to. You know, they need to think about that. And I mean, maybe. You know, may, as you said last week, maybe it'd piss, piss off you. SPN a bit or something like that but they have loads of options coming up there's going to be lots of people bidding for the UFC to get them because of live programming on that you know we spoke about it last week if you haven't heard it but after that like it just made me think put Francis Ngannou versus Cecil Gagne too if that ever happens put it in France man look if you can get it a little bit later if you put it in pay-per-view in the middle of the day in America or something you know to, to get some money back fine perfect do that you can have the best of both worlds there maybe but I think they should be doing these big fights in these big markets and not just keeping title fights for America but you know maybe that's a, another chat for another day um, what did you think of Robert Whitaker and Marvin Vittori Graham I was so impressed with Robert Whitaker here I thought he, I thought he fought very differently than when, what he normally does and fought brilliantly and just kind of took the fight away from Vittori here early what, what did you think of it yeah I think he looked looked really good uh, he mixed it up well like Vittori's <laughs> Like if you're a Vittori fan, I'd say he's extremely frustrating. Um, you know, he. I think Robert Whitaker 
you know he's obviously been at a, at a higher level he's had the he's had the championship but there was a lot of questions around in, in my mind anyway about like kind of his motivation with with uh adesanya at the, at the top of the division and kind of having lost to him twice and all that but I, I i i said i think it was last week with you or maybe the week before that maybe this uh this chance that alex Bahia coming up and, and fighting israel maybe gives these middleweights who've lost to, to Israel a uh, bit more hope and, you know, uh, kind of gives them a new lease on life and possibly getting back to the title. And that, that doesn't, that that's, uh, couldn't be more poignant for, for Robert Whitaker. Like I think out of, out of everybody in the division, he's the one who, who will be, you know, hoping for a to win the most. But uh, he went out there against Vittori and just, just, show, just you know, showed us his level to this. You know, you can be a tough, scrappy guy. You can, you can throw like kind of, one twos and, and 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 stuff like that, and be really good at it. But when it comes to championship level, you have to be able to do it all. You have to be able to wrestle. You have to be able to grapple. You have to be able to, you know, do a bit more than than one twos. And I just think Whitaker was was just on a different level. Yeah, I think it was just an excellent performance from Robert Whitaker. And I questioned that mentality as well last week. Not, I, I, I wasn't in terms of questioning mentality, but in questioning where the mentality would be this time. I don't think he's ever shown signs of that before, but it's like, how how could you not show signs of it now? And he didn't, to be fair. So his mentality is unbelievably good. And as you said, with the Pereira fight coming up, we've seen it happen for many, look, look at Usman last week. You know, that must give a new yeah, lease even on that, life. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, must give a new lease on life to Colby and, to, you know, uh, Gilbert Burns and all of the lads who have fought him before. It's a massive thing. Cause but even are, to the other divisions, even to Whitaker watching that division, he, yeah. You know, he probably thinks, you know, uh, well, everything isn't as set in stone as, you know, you think it would be anything can happen. It's a reminder that anything can happen in LA. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, he fought like that. He really, really did because I, I thought it was one of those fights where Vittori would have a little more success maybe than people thought because of the way that Whitaker fights. You know, if Whitaker fights that kind of herky-jerky, B-first style and kind of cut your movement, he did, that's why he beat Yoel Romero so well because Yoel's game plan at all times is, you know, to land that one big shot and to wait and wait and wait. Whereas Whitaker never let him wait. He was just all the time breaking up his momentum and breaking up those periods of waiting. And that's the sort of fighter he is, whether you're a fighter who waits or a fighter who goes goes you know and Marvin Vittori is obviously more of a fighter who goes and he was expecting Robert Whitaker to try to be first all the time to try to land you know those leg kicks and those jabs inside and he'd have to deal with that and when Robert Whitaker he he didn't really do that he fought like very well on the outside like very far out I I would say I, I haven't looked at the numbers or anything like that but maybe this is a good time to look at numbers and see the amount of shots that Robert Whitaker landed especially in that first uh, couple of rounds compared to what he normally lands I would say it was a lot less and it ended up winning him the fight because he was kind of he bamboozled Vittori a little bit. I don't think Vittori was able to was able to rescue it. You know, they, they kept saying that this is only three rounds after the fourth and fifth that the fight will be over. You know, I, actually, I think that was in the Buckley fight, maybe. But the same goes for this one. And I, I think Vittori probably got to the end of that fight and was like, I haven't even started my fight yet, you know, kind of job because Robert Whitaker kept him in that area. And you could see, I, I think, in the middle of the second round or maybe in the start of the second round even, um, Robert Whitaker found his range and started landing shots a 
lot more. In the first, it was you know relatively close, and there wasn't um, you know there wasn't much in it. I think one judge gave it to uh, to Vittori, which was, there was there was nothing wrong with that uh, at all. Even though like Whitaker's shots to me looked a little bit harder, but in the second, he was just waiting for Vittori to come in and just countering him and just like picking him off at these little shots. So I don't think I've ever seen from Robert Whitaker before. Vittori just couldn't get the range. Whitaker was landing on him. You could see like five or six shots just whiff past the face of uh, of Robert Whitaker from Vittori uh, throwing him. And I think the third round was that, but even more, honestly. I thought it was a brilliant performance from Robert Whitaker and the type of the type of performance we don't normally see in MMA because we usually... MMA is so hard, right? It's very difficult to fight in different ways. You know, usually fighters fight the way fighters fight. Whereas, like, if it's a game of soccer, you know, sometimes you could, uh, if you're fighting Man City, you know, they're going to have loads of possession. Maybe you can sit sit back and counter them. If you're, you know, if you're playing against, I don't know, fucking Wigan Athletic, maybe you're going to have a load of possession, and then you're going to have to like work the play and maybe you know a few intricate passes to get through them. You, f- you know, have different game plans for different games. Whereas M- MMA, we usually. It's it's so hard to have one game plan and to be great at it to, to to switch and have other game plans and be great at them too is just almost a non gore unless you know maybe you're a high level kickboxer and you can you can switch it in there and Robert Whitaker I think showed a different game plan here and I think he showed it fantastically I was so impressed with him what, what did you think the key was here Graham it's just when it, it turned into such a dominant fight for him in the second and third round didn't it that I, I wasn't necessarily expecting I expected him to kind of win the fight I thought it would be close and I, I one of my bets was Vittori to win a decision because I, I thought maybe he'd be able just to nick it maybe land a couple of power shots to take and I thought it'd be very close Whitaker just didn't let it get close did he yeah, like I know Whitaker's always been like in recent years always been comfortable on the feet, but he did look like he kind of got into a flow where once he found the range, he kind of kept the range, and he, as you said, he was just able to counter at will, and it was it just seemed like the game plan that he had just just went to perfection basically, and uh, he got into a flow, and uh, Vittori could couldn't get him out of that flow, and Whitaker just kind of picked him apart from there. As you said, his his head movement, his his avoidance, and and his uh, his range were just on point, uh, better than we've seen in a long time, better maybe than we've seen from Whitaker that I can remember. Uh, in terms of the striking alone, so you know, at this at this stage in his career, to kind of still be you know uh, on the up is is very surprising to me. You know, <laughs> I said it on the podcast last week. Like, you know, where's his head at? Uh, does he have the motivation to get back to the top? And you know, uh, obviously he's put in a, a you know you can see from this fight that he's put in a really good ga- camp into this. He's got a good game plan. He's gone out and executed it. And you know, uh, maybe it's you know. Uh, to get back to the title, if Adesanya wins, isn't going to happen. But he's put himself in a really good position. If it does, if if the upset does happen and Paya does win, so uh, obviously you know if Paya is to win, we may have to wait for a rematch and all. But uh, I'm sure Robert Whitaker won't matter, won't, won't mind about that. To him, all that matters is, is he's kind of back in the title uh, conversation again, which is which is absolutely huge for him. Yeah, and I, I think as well, there's some people can change weight classes. I don't think he necessarily can because to get back down yeah. to one seventy. He was at one seventy before, wasn't he, on the yeah. tough smashes? So like going up another twenty pounds, like it's a big jump to two oh five. I don't see it. Yeah. yeah, so just by his time is the best thing you can do. Go out there and win fights and stay at the top level. And you know, if he does, he will get either another opportunity at Easy because we know look look at the middleweight yeah, division. I, I, I hope I hope he stays active though. I hope he doesn't sit around and wait. You know. Yeah. He, he, 
you want to build on this you want to you know not sit out and you know end up kind of waiting for something to happen and it might not happen just go out there keep winning and kind of make it so that you're the, you're the guy that kind of has to get the title shot next I think he will because he's had so many injuries I think when you have injuries like he's had, he's had you don't want to be sitting on the sideline you know you want to kind of keep going you want to um you know, get as many fights in because you feel like you've lost maybe a bit of your career. So I, in a weird way, I think that you know that'll actually help him, and that he will he will stay fighting and he will you know take whoever's next. Look, when you lose two times against the the, the champion as well, it's it's going to be either you 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 live or you die, kind of you know. And he's decided to live, obviously here, and he's just gonna gonna take on the next guys and make himself undeniable again. And you have to make yourself undeniable in that situation. Do you know what? No better man than Robert Whitaker because he's a fantastic fighter, and uh, he's definitely not done yet, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, there was two other middleweight fights just before this as well. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, do you know what? Kapilov got an, a lovely knockout against Alessio the Kiriko. Uh, I wasn't paying massive attention to this fight, and I'll tell you why in a second. But it was a beautiful knockout in the third round. It is, and then uh, naturally Imavov beat Joaquin Buckley. Uh, Imavov won the first two, and Buckley won the third. I think one judge didn't give the third to Buckley, which uh, I don't think is great judging, to be honest. But we had the two English lads in there anyway, and they gave it to Imavov, and they or they gave it to Buckley. Sorry, after giving the first two to Imavov, so that was a good judge and definitely the right guy won. Uh, anyway, um, Imavov was good and loose in his feet, and you know definitely a contender coming through at middleweight who's a little bit more exciting, a little bit different to some people. I think a pretty good matchup here against Buckley. Like Buckley's a guy I think who clear is worried about his cardio and then he comes to the third round and he goes wait actually I'm grand and throws everything and he like he's it feels like he's done that a couple of times because maybe he gassed out in a fight or two and that's uh, I think it's sometimes that's more of a mental thing than, than a physical thing but when you do throw like the big massive shots that he does maybe it's a physical thing too so I think that's something that's always going to hold him back until he finds a way around it maybe but uh, nevertheless a very good performance from Mavov and a good win there and a great a knockout as well from Roman Kapilov right to the main yeah, event the Kapilov knockout there it, 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 like it, I don't know what Alessio was doing just dropped his hands uh, in the, yeah. and stood in front of him uh, for the finish he's literally in range with his hands kind of half down just getting punched in the face it was just I don't know if he was trying to be some kind of like I'm just going to walk through your punches or if he was just I don't know what the fuck he was thinking just a lapse or his brain was already shook and he didn't know what he was doing but it just looked really bad like it looked just really really low level yeah it wasn't great now at all and I think they, they called that out in the commentary as well so it was uh, yeah. a great knockout but not great from the kid of I wonder was, maybe was he hurt by something that was landed just before that maybe he must have been like he, he was, he's just standing there in like the controller ran out of battery or something in, yeah. in, in the game <laughs> <laughs> you're just fucking there for the taking like was it, yeah. when you, do you know when you like think you've paused the game of FIFA but you actually haven't and you're, you know, you're eating your ball of wheat or something and they're like oh fuck Real Madrid are walking through and after scoring a goal but yeah uh, it was definitely a bit like that um, Graham there was a 10-10 round there was a fucking 10-10 round in uh, Gomez versus Jarno Ahrens um, 
Yeah, so this is great. <laughs> that maybe yeah, like, <laughs> I thought they're not supposed to do ten. No, they're not so awesome. there. It's great. It's we, great. We, 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 the judges are there to make decisions, not sit in the fence. I don't know exactly. Yeah, well, it's great in terms of we get to talk about it. In terms of the actual judging, not great at all. It's look, it's a weird one because you we have to remember, right? If people are listening to this, and uh, look. Let me just quickly go through the fight because it wasn't amazing. It was a good fight, but not an amazing fight. Comis was landing better on the feet in the first. Uh, he landed a lovely trip and got top control of kind of the rest of round one and won that. Uh, Gomis was winning the second, but then Aaron's hit him like really hard. Uh, there's a big takedown for Gomis. It got up and then Aaron said like some small successes. Takedown for Gomis again. Very close round. I would, I would just kind of lean Aaron's because of that big shot. But if you gave it to Gomis, nothing wrong with it at all. And in the third round, close on the feet. Gomis got a takedown, good ground and pound. And then Aaron's caught him in a... Uh, um, a triangle late and I, th- I think almost choked him so another round that I think could kind of go either way it was effective grappling without a shadow of a doubt um, and I think uh, the first two rounds I think all judges gave it to Gomis if I'm not mistaken and then two judges gave to third to uh, Aaron's and one judge gave it a 10-10. So you're probably thinking right I just said there the third round could go either way what's wrong with giving it a 10-10 right so that's where we need to uh, cut a line between opinion and the rules. Because if, like, it's grand to say to have the opinion that, look, I would love to see the rules changed and make 10-10s more viable. Now, that it cause problems and all, we'd need a two-hour discussion to discuss that, right? But if you want to have that opinion, no problem, have that opinion. But that's an opinion we have in two years' time when the rules have been changed and when we're watching a fight and um, if you want to score the fight at the end of the fight at 10-10 after those rules have been changed absolutely no problem if you want to work for the next two years to get the rule changed to have more 10-10s no problem at all I don't, no problem if, if it makes sense right grand but what we have right now the judge which judged this fight at 10-10 is working under a unified judging criteria rule set uh, in which the scoring of 10-10 rounds like this is massively frowned upon in terms of like in the rules written and literally written like really strongly in the rules but also in the you know where they, where they teach judges where uh, you know they, they do seminars where they talk about judging they literally tell you not to give 10-10 rounds in rounds like this because you're tasked with finding a winner now you have three different ways of finding a winner if you think look effective grappling and effective striking were they even and in this round you could say do you know what maybe they were right maybe they were even in this round uh, no i don't think you they were necessarily i think you could find a difference in it whether you like maybe the shots to come east landed more or uh, which i did or you like the uh, the triangle attempt more you you need to decide between the two but let's say you can't right that's fine then you go to who had the more uh, effective aggression throughout throughout that round and i think in that round you pro- probably say gummies but let, let's say maybe not let's say it's even again then you go to octagon control and there's no doubt about that whatsoever that Gomis had that he controlled that fight uh, in the third round for you know long periods I would think so you have to score that round for Gomis if you want to go that way you, you can't say it was even in terms of that 
tick and didn't give a 10-10. Now, I don't think you can say it's even in terms of aggression. I don't think you can say it's even uh, by the way the judging criteria is written now in terms of effective grappling and striking because you're tasked with judging the round. It's judging is a verb. We say and judges say it all the time. Judging is a verb. You have to go out and you have to judge the round. You have to judge the quality of the submissions and the striking versus the quality of the submissions and the striking from the other person. If that's equal, then you go to aggression. If that's equal, then you go to control. But you have to have all of those things dead even to get a 10-10 round. And there's no way that that's correct. Like, we, we talk about understanding, right? We we can disagree or agree with a round. If someone had scored this 10-9 one way and 10-9 another way, you could... Uh, you could maybe disagree with it, but you could understand it. There's no understanding. There's no agreeing with a 10-10 round here. It's just the wrong score. And that's, it's very odd you can actually say say that in an MMA fight these days, but it's without a shadow of a doubt the wrong score via the written criteria right now. As I said, let's separate our opinion for a second. This is not about anyone's opinion, right? This is about the judging criteria and the way it's written and the way it's ruled right now. There's a reason there hasn't been a 10-10 round. Now, and you'll probably say, why is there 10-10 rounds? The 10-10 rounds are in there. Well, if this fight had gone two seconds of the third round and there had been an accidental cut, let's say, and the fight had to be ended, then that would be a 10-10 round because nothing has happened. No one has had any you know, effective grappling or striking or aggression or control. You can't separate them in any of them. You have to go to a 10-10 round. That's why it's there. And I think that's a part of the rule set that needs to be actually changed to make that. Uh, and it, you know what? It kind of is if you read it, but it, it needs to be more stringent and more clear there. But yeah, that's my take on the 10-10 round. Hopefully that cleared up. Did you uh, find anything wrong there, Graham? What, what did you think of that 10-10 round? Not great judging, really, was it? Yeah. Yeah, you know my understanding and what you before you explained and kind of goes with my understanding what you said goes with my understanding and yeah it's 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 just a score that you can't really you can't really put a hand in as a judge uh unless something you know strange has happened like you said uh, like a, a fight ending poke or you know somebody gets their foot stuck between the octagon and the cage or so you know something crazy happens that's what it's there for uh, to my understanding and uh i don't know the judge mm, I don't know. I don't know this judge. Which what what judge was it? Was it a, a uh, French judge? Yeah, it was. Uh, I can't think of his exactly uh, his name now, but it was his yeah. first. Uh, it was Christoph his, something. Yeah. I can't remember. But that was it. but uh, it was his yeah, first I'm, ever uh, fight of UFC judging. Obviously, because it looks the first time in France as well. But he's judged loads of Aries fights and stuff like that. So he's not a judge who's you know never judged before anything. He's judged at a pretty high level. Aries is a good level, but yeah, I, I think he needs a a little bit of extra training after this one. Anyway, certainly. Well, I'm sure uh, I've heard before you you talking about it. Uh, they go back and they kind of analyze and ask people why they why they scored what, and I'm sure he'll be told. You know, you can't you can't score a ten ten under these circumstances. I'm sure I'm sure he'll know that now going forward. But uh, luckily, the kind of result wasn't affected by it. It didn't end up being a being a draw because the other two judges uh, scored it correctly. So it kind of got away with it in a way in the end. But it, yeah, it's it's a really bad look. Uh, Obviously, you know, coming to Paris for the first time, they can say, "Oh, it's just teething problems or whatever." But you know, you can fly in, you can fly in a, a better judge easily or a more experienced judge. But you know, I don't know much about this guy, uh, Christoph, whatever his name is. Um, but yeah, this this is not a good look, and it probably set him back a lot. But you know, uh, as I said, luckily the kind of the right guy ended up winning the fight, and it, it didn't affect anybody's you know walk home pay or whatever the win bonus and things like that. So. 
kind of got away with it in a, in a way. But um, yeah, it's, it's not a good look. You know, this is the kind of thing you you would hope that wouldn't happen at a UFC. It might happen, you know, at a small show or something with with an inexperienced judge. But for like you know the world leader in MMA to kind of have this happening is is a bad look to people who actually know that it's a bad look, but to 99% of the people, they probably don't even Probably celebrating it. Probably it's, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, the 10 times. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, probably it's, to, to to you and the people like who are into the judging, it's probably a big deal, but to most people, it's, it's not. But to the judging community, I'm sure there'll be, he'll be, he'll have a word with, he'll be, uh, he'll have a, had a word said to him about it and hopefully we'll, uh, understand his his job a little better going forward indeed 100 uh before that then nathaniel wood i thought i thought he looked great he's really phenomenal here you know there was questions over him at 145 i don't think he was the biggest 135er in the world and you know charles Jordan definitely looked bigger than him but you know i, I don't think it affected him here it was yeah. really really good he said he said in an interview with us i think a few fights back or a couple of fights back that he just wasn't able to cut weight the same way as other yeah. people, whatever his body was just holding on to them to the water or whatever. And it was, you know, I've seen some of these weight class or weight cuts up, up close, these big weight cuts where, where guys are struggling and it's fucking, it's like, it's really, really traumatic on the body <laughs> like right before a fight. And for, uh, for Wood not to have to worry about that anymore and to just be able to fight at his weight. Yeah. He's going to be a little bit undersized compared to some of the, the, four, the 145ers, but in terms of his health going forward, in terms of his performance, like, you know, the day after putting your body through that and going out and fighting, you, it's very hard to be at your best. And I think I think he's shown that, you know, we see guys make excuses a lot, but I think it makes a lot of sense what he said. And it seems to be, you know, like, you know, showing that, okay, maybe, you know, the height or the, the reach advantage isn't there, but with his speed and with the, the fact that he's not killing himself to, to get to the weight, it seems to be a, a really good fit. And he, and he looks to have kind of... Uh, slotted into that division really well. Like sometimes it takes fighters when they've they fought down divisions uh, most of their career to, to step up. It kind of takes them a couple of fights to get into the rhythm of things. And maybe we'll see an even better uh, Wood going forward. Uh, you know, the confidence obviously will, will keep growing the more he wins as well. So I think he's in a really good spot. Yeah, not not to go full Jamie Carragher here with Lissandro Martinez, but I do think the the size will uh, will affect him the higher the level goes. You know, when he meets fucking Erling Haaland or something like that, there's gonna, gonna be an issue there for uh, for Nathaniel Wood. But he, his ability to take a punch in this fight was the biggest thing for me. Like he was hurting Jordan way more than Jordan was hurting him, and how much of that is a function of the weight cut? I'm not sure, but you know, Wood has always been the type of guy who gets hit and gets hurt a little bit. You know, and famously against Josh. Reed in that fight but Jordan didn't and Jordan can you know Jordan crack he didn't seem to affect Wood at all and he hit him hard many times now Wood probably got hit too much if we're being honest if he goes back and watches that but still you know and the second and third rounds were, were close but he, he won the first round very very well and I, I think I had him 30-27 but he definitely won the fight anyway I think although as I said the second and third uh, were, were close but a very very good performance against a good fighter like Charles Jordan so uh, impressive there um we run through the rest of them then. Uh, Ebus, Nurma, or, uh, Magomedov even, uh, beat uh, Dustin Stoffels. Lovely front kick and then the barrage of a finish. He looked very, very impressive. Um, you know, he's 29 fights into his career now as well. Something you don't see that often, I suppose, in the UFC anymore with kind of new fighters in there. So uh, a very experienced guy and he looked good as well. Uh, this hack brass McDessie fight, uh, this was kind of the stinker on it for me. Um, it, was about a, it was a bit of a sparring match for eight minutes. It, it got better after that. 
didn't know that about it so it wasn't a complete stinker but uh, Nazar uh, got a, a nice left hook knockdown and from that point on it was a little bit better but yeah it just I think it was kind of a bit of a setup fight for Hasparada he didn't yeah. really take he didn't really take True. it you know Medeski's been around a long time he's a veteran or whatever but even at his best he was never that good and this is a fight that really you know Hasparada probably should have went out there and put a bit of a statement on but but didn't yeah, indeed. Uh, well, it wasn't great. Like he's the type of guy. I, I had great admiration, and I still have admiration. But I, I had great. Um, I thought he'd be a great prospect, but he just hasn't really become that, to be honest. And uh, I, I don't think he ever will. At this stage, I think he's going to be a Macdessy type fighter who's going to be in the UFC probably for a long time, but probably not rise too far up, especially at one fifty five. Um, Macdessy's the type of guy. So I was thinking of last night. He's probably gotten as much out of his career as he possibly could because. He he just he doesn't have the athletic ability as most guys in that division or as not most guys but the top guys in that division. But he's very technically good. He's not, you know he's not the biggest guy in the world. He he's a, you know, he reminds me a little bit of like a lesser version of Paul Felder maybe you know who, act, who fights like a power fighter but doesn't really have that much power. And now he's a few knockouts and a few lovely knockouts throughout his career. Uh, but it's just. It feels like the only thing holding McDessy back is probably that raw athleticism or raw power, raw gifts that some people have. And unfortunately for him, I don't, I just don't think he has it. Uh, but everything else is, is seemingly there, I think. So it's unfortunate for a guy like McDessy. Um, the next fight in Mike Figlack. Not a great performance for him. I think a very jittery, tough matchup against Farah ZM as well. I thought he'd win it, but uh, Figak, he just looked a little off range at the very start. ZM was landing his jab very well as well, and Figak, I think, found it very hard to kind of get back into it after that. Um, he got caught as well at the end of the round one with that elbow from ZM. Um, it was... Got on top in round two, but there was a spinning forearm, nearly got... Uh, he nearly got KO'd from that I think it was a 10A round as well He got a bad beat in that second round Figlak was winning in in the third But he was taken down again after 3 minutes Got up quick uh, Got the back, got the mount But uh, ZM ended up uh, On top of him He ended up in the bottom And then from that point on It was kind of just over Like It was it was a fight where you look at it From Mike Figlak And if you've never seen him before You're probably thinking oh, What was the hype all about What were people talking about But yeah I just think it was a very jittery performance It was You know The the, the stereotypical kind of UFC jitters uh, First fight in the UFC And ZM has already had that Fight in front of his hometown people As well as Sean Denny said He had an extra 25% in there And I really thought it looked like that Now credit to ZM I'm not taking anything away from ZM yeah, maybe I should be talking about him a little bit more but obviously I haven't covered a lot of cage wires and talked about Figlak before he's uh, going to be the, maybe the focus here but uh, yeah, very very good win for ZM a very good performance all around but I think if you're watching this you don't know much about Figlak give him another chance and let's see him over his next couple of fights and see how he performs very early as well only 8 fights into his career you know, I think that was a reservation. We said it last week, and I think uh, a lot of people have been saying it too. Maybe a little bit early in his career. You know, Reese McKee was it was the same for him. Early got maybe got there a little bit early, and I think that maybe that's held him back. Well, what did you think of Figlak here, Graham? Yeah, I, I agree with nearly everything you said there. Like, it wasn't the the Figlak that we've seen in the past, and maybe that's down to Ziam, and maybe maybe you know uh, he would have won the decision anyway. But I do think the Figlak kind of didn't get going and did look a bit nervous. And we've seen it before with loads of fighters coming to the UFC, and like you know you can fight in big events outside the UFC, but 
to to a lot of these guys and I'm not sure if I feel like what I say like you know it's a dream to fight in the UFC and you get there and uh, you know it it definitely didn't go to plan and he didn't get going and he looked he looked a bit you know uh, puzzled out there but I think maybe we can you know judge him on his next fight uh, you know uh, Zim has been in the UFC he's he's fought you know uh, at this level before and it's it's another day at the office for him and for Figlack hopefully that'll be more the situation next time and he can kind of go out, go out and go out and show what he can do but his back's against the wall already now you know you've gone in there and you've lost and if you lose another one you, you could be out of there quickly we, we've seen it happen to Reese. we you know get, getting there early is great but you can be straight out of there quickly and back to where you started and have to build up again and hopefully that won't happen for Vig. like hopefully he can you know watch the tape go back with his with his team and work on that and the, the jitter is not being uh, as prevalent the next time hopefully he can can help him and obviously it will depend on the matchup and all that but yeah it, it definitely was a very disappointing night for Viglak yeah 100% before that then there was three finishes and three very good finishes Benoit Sandini the first fringe fighter on the guard shades of Paddy Hoolan I think here at, at UFC Dublin got a great reception altogether uh, nearly got finished in the first but also nearly got a 10-8 <laughs> I think dominated in the first two minutes of the second round uh, and uh, got got the finish in the um, sorry dominated the last two minutes of the first round sorry and got the finish early in the second round nice performance there from him Quinones then in Taha Quinones kind of boxed the ears off him early overhand hurt him uh, right in the ground finished it good, good stoppage um, I, I thought you know he got dropped hard took a big shot on the way down then four or five unanswered blows you can't blame the referee after that so I think some people were uh, and then Stephanie Egger got the rear naked choke in the uh, second round uh, she, tr- she was just stronger in the takedown battle against Perez there's almost a Von Flew choke in the second round but they got back up and landed some nice stuff but yeah the rear naked choke in, in the end and, uh, and that was it and that was a card so let's uh, go ahead and talk about next week Actually, happened to a lot of people. You know, we get along. Don't no, we? just fine. Yeah, so I never want to punch you in the face ever. We all know Bisping can dish it out, but he has a hard time taking it. Dominic's good at getting under your skin, and we are having a little altercation. He's saying you want to punch me right now, don't you, Bisping? You want to punch me? And I'm like, yeah, I kind of do. And he's like, come on, fucking punch me, punch me. Why don't we let Bisping go? He wants to talk. No, 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 no. Dominic, you are the wizard. You are the expert. I am merely, you know, just here in awe of you. Right, Graham, UFC 279. Uh, look, it's not the best card in the world, if we're being honest. Uh, on the undercard, I'm struggling to see anything, man. Like, I, I think the, the opening fight the early in weeks against Johan Lanis, I, I think someone probably getting knocked out there won't be too bad. Be interesting to see Danielle Wolf in her second fight. She's fighting Norma Dumont, who's a very, very good fighter. You know, Elise Reed is back here. She's a good prospect. Charles Bennett will be fun against Jay Collier. I, I like Jaltan Almeida. I think he's a, a real top prospect. It'll be interesting to see him. Uh, you know, Johnny Walker's always fun to see. Irina Aldana is probably the, the biggest one in terms of where she's going to go. She could earn a t- title shot there and win over Macy Chaison and maybe Chaison could as well. You know, Kevin Holland, you never know what he's going to do. Li Zhang Liang against Tony Ferguson. That fight's I mean, a 180 as well, isn't it, Kevin Holland? 
Yeah, one, uh, it's weird. Isn't that apology just two twenty is here for Jalton and Mila as well? Is that right? Is that, that doesn't doesn't two twenty is a really strange one. Yeah. One eighty is strange enough, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they go anyway. But is there anything there that stands out? You what you think of that Lee Zheng Liang Tony Ferguson fight? Yeah, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I feel like every time I talk about Tony Ferguson, I talk about how he's he's not as good as people say he is, uh, or thought he was, or. He said he was over the years and, you know, uh, his last fight was, was you know, uh, really brutal. <laughs> you know, uh, he obviously took, he took a bit of time off. It's going to be four months. It's probably enough. You know, he's on a four fight skate. This is a really a, a must win for him. It's it's a difficult matchup, you know. He's, he's going to be the smaller guy. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't see this as, as, a, as a good matchup for, for Ferguson. Like, he can definitely, you know, uh, he definitely has ways ways to win this, but I see this being a long night for him and probably losing losing a lopsided decision here. Yeah, I, I'm i not too sure, to be honest. I, uh, I find it hard to know where Tony Ferguson is. I don't think G, Li, G, Ling, Jingyang, Li Jingyang is that great, to be honest. Uh, but also, like, Ferguson... Like in uh, Ferguson at his best, I think would probably beat Li Jingyang. Although I agree with you that he was massively overrated, but I don't think Ferguson is anywhere near his best anymore. And he's taken so much damage in fights and just given so much of himself inside the cage. And it's been great entertainment, and he's been a great fighter uh, in terms of that entertainment. Uh, if maybe not the you know the, the actual ability thing but pretty pretty good you know he was always top yeah. five or six but, in like, world, it comes back to the, the Whitaker thing even though Ferguson never was a champion you know he he, he kind of was on the cusp of for a while and probably like thought he was like about to become champion and now he's kind of in this position where he's lost four in a row and really badly knocked out against Mike Chandler in his last fight and now he's up at 170 it is Where's the, where's the motivation? Like, does he think he can get back to a title shot? Realistically, maybe Tony Ferguson is a bit of a madman. Maybe he does, but somewhere in the back of his head, I'm sure a little bit of the, a little bit of the kind of, I'm so close. I just need to keep going. That kind of mentality must be bruised and beaten down with, with recent, you know, two even the last two years. You know, his last win is over, is over uh, Cerrone. What? More more than three years ago, uh, so for Ferguson, it's a really tough spot. Uh, as you said, if he was in his prime and he was going up confident, kind of on a on a moment with the momentum of a winning streak, maybe I'd be looking at this as a closer fight. But even then, I think it's a bad style matchup for him. Um, yeah, like he, maybe Ferguson can get it done early, or he can pull out some kind of submission. If it hits the ground, but I, I, I don't see it. I, I yeah. yeah, I've never been the the biggest fan of Tony Scales. Oh really? No, I never would have yeah. guessed. <laughs> but no, uh, I think I've made that pretty clear over the last uh, eight years. <laughs> uh, the lads will have a great breakdown of that anyway on the preview show and check out our, our Facebook or our, our uh, YouTube this week and you, you'll see that with uh, with Harry and Ian and maybe I'll even pop in. We'll, you'll never know. But um, if you go to Tony One, he could win. Maybe fight Connor and his comeback. That, that would yeah, make a lot of sense. Make to me. A lot of sense. Yeah. And like I think that Connor fight is something. I know someone someone accused me yesterday of this being the Connor McGregor fucking podcast. So we can't talk too much about him. We just kill, even though we never talk about him. But anyway, um, it makes a lot. Yeah, my fight has always made the most sense to me for his comeback fight, and that's something 
that surely we're going to have to be talking about uh, soon. But I don't know. Any any insights there, Graham? Is McGregor doing much training or something? I know he's put up a few things, uh, but he seems to be in his yacht an awful lot now as well. I don't know. He, he said he'd be back towards the end of the year. He said earlier even to me when I interviewed him, but I don't know. Any any insights, Graham? Will he be back? Uh, I haven't seen him in months, so I don't know any more than, more than the... The average Joe's at that, I know. Uh, at this stage. I know. Don't be playing it sly on us, fuck. You know, I think like you know, in MMA and in the UFC, when when you have the date to come back or whatever, or when you know you're going to come back, you, yeah. the vision is going to look so different. You know, if Tony Ferguson wins here or loses here, it'll it'll affect that. And obviously, you know, in the lightweight division or the welterweight division, depending on what he does, things will, you know, change pretty quickly before he comes back. So it's really hard to make predictions. And Yeah. And with the Diaz <laughs> you know, fight as well, like that was a fight as well that was, they were looking, it felt like to set up for McGregor. And he's obviously in the main event. And that's another option out here that's probably gone. Uh, this is the last fight of Nathan Diaz's career in the UFC, uh, in the current career in the UFC anyway. Was, uh, was, I talked to Spencer Kite the other day and he was kind of saying, I think Nate will be back maybe even. I'm like, oh, well, okay, maybe you never know. But um, fighting Hamzat Shemaev in the, uh, in the main event here, no title on the line or anything like that. <sighs> it Look... I have a very long podcast coming out with the aforementioned Spencer this week over on Sherdog talking about this from, from all sides. And look, this is a discussion that probably needs uh, a half an hour ending, but maybe I t- even to give the cliff notes and get your thoughts on the ground. Like, I think you have to look at this from all sides because Nathan Diaz, right, has kind of made it evident enough that he wants out of the UFC. I think UFC, uh, I don't think he or even the UFC would, uh, or, or any fans or anything would say that Nathan Diaz hasn't probably been paid well over his last few fights, especially obviously since, you know, he, he choked out McGregor. Um, but he, like, he felt, I think he, Diaz's biggest problem and his biggest issue with him is I think he felt undervalued before that and kind of wants to get paid for his old career, which is fine. If he wants to go out and get, make big money, no problem with, at all. But, and that's his prerogative. And I, he, you know, he's absolutely right to do it if he wants to do it. But if you're looking at it from the UFC's point of view, you've one more fight left from Nathan Diaz. Nathan Diaz wants to go out and fight for another promotion or promote himself or whatever. Like, why would you not want to make the best of it for yourself with him going and get, you know, get the, get, get the, uh, you know, the shine from a win over Nathan Diaz onto one of your best up and coming prospects like Hamza Chamayev. Now, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if they will actually do that because I think this actually might make Shamayev a bit of a heel if he goes out there and just absolutely destroys Nathan Diaz because he's a fan favourite. So I'm not sure if it'll work, but what they're trying to do is to do that, to, you know, get a big win for Shamayev over a big name. And I, like, I think people are acting like the UFC are the worst people in the world for doing that. Now, they're the worst people in the world for doing other things. Don't, you know, not paying them for this Project Rock, not paying them for Venom, you sad bullshit and all this. Absolutely, UFC do lots of bad things. And look, and feeding ATFs to the wolves is a bad thing as well. But like, <laughs> this isn't up there with all of those things. This is... It's smart business, I think, from the UFC. It's something pro wrestling has been doing for years and years and years. Someone is leaving the territory. You know, you put him over. If Hulk Hogan has gone to fucking WCW, you let the Ultimate Warrior, Bret Hart, whoever might be, beat him and take the championship off him or take the shine off him when he's gone away. That's a thing that's just always been done. And I just, I, 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 there's lots of things to be mad at the UFC over. 
And if you're a Diaz fine, grand, no problem. Be mad about this, but Diaz is. I think at the end of the day, he's getting his last fight. He took takes any fight he wants, and is just just going to leave. Is there any chance here, Graham? He does. The, the, remember that James Gallagher fight where the lad just tapped out the second the bell rang, and then just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> that was mad, but uh, no, I don't think that's going to happen. Like, like Nate Diaz, obviously, his method of victory in this in this fight is dragging it along and somehow kind of goading Shimaev into into standing with him for too long. <laughs> and, you know, maybe Shimaev might stand with him a, bit, a little bit too long, but I think the takedown is going to be there so easy when he does want it. Uh, you know, it really is Shimaev's uh, fight to blow. So, like, you know, we've we've, we've, we've seen um, upsets before, and this would be a, a huge fuck you to the UFC from Nate Diaz if he was to go out there and beat Shimaev, and he'd absolutely love to do that, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he, he doesn't make his feelings... Um, he doesn't hide his feelings about the UFC and Dana, and he's, he's obviously uh, been a hard negotiator over the years and wants to get his, his value and hasn't been like a company yes man making it easy for the UFC like like Dana and the UFC brass like. So uh, he'd obviously love to stick it to them and, and beat their, their up-and-coming star and, you know, uh, go out in a high on, on, on his last fight of the contract or earn himself, you know, the contract that he does want with the UFC. But... Yeah, I think that's that's a big ask here. You know, Shimaev just has so many uh, stylistic uh, advantages here and methods of victory, easy method of victory of of you know taking Nate down and you know smashing him as a as a Shimaev would say. So unless Shimaev can get goaded into something here, and and if anybody's going to goad him into something, it could like you know would Nate be, yeah. be a prime <laughs> candidate for for doing that, like. Yeah. And, he, like you know, I've seen stranger things happen. We've seen guys who have huge advantages and on the ground uh, standing with guys and end up losing. Like we've seen it before. I, I don't, I don't see it happening here, but it's definitely a possibility. Like you know, it's not out of the realms of possibility. So yeah, Nate Diaz, uh, you know, he's, he's tough. He's able to hang in there. He's got cardio for days. Uh, Shimoyev obviously hasn't hasn't been um, hasn't been in the same kind of. Uh, wars that Diaz has been in over the years and hasn't kind of gone through the the, the same kind of uh, adversity that uh, Nick that Nick or sorry that Nate has. So maybe we, if we see him in a bad spot, we we see how he, he reacts. We just steal some questions over him here, but obviously the safe pick and the the only pick really is Shimaev. Even them though, I think you saw him in the Gilbert Burns fight a little bit, and I answered some of those questions definitely. But yeah, like uh, I know you said you'd seen stranger things than Diaz beating Shimaev. You know, you saw Man United beating Liverpool there last so week. Yeah, you know, even a broken clock is the right choice. There you go. I, I, honestly, I think Shimaev actually will stand with Diaz, uh, and I think he'll beat him standing as well. I think he hits much harder, and he's going to hit him hard. Now, I don't think he'll stand with him for the whole fight. If he fighter. gets tired, <laughs> if he gets tired, uh, and he's standing against Nate, that's that's bad news. Yeah, Nathan is very good off his back as well. Though sometimes people forget that he's very good submissions, very good triangles and things as well. I uh, like Diaz isn't without a chance here, but like it's a very slim chance. If if your biggest chance is me talking about you getting a submission, then you know. Oh, that's a very fucking slim chance. So, yeah, look, it's probably going to be. Uh, I'd say, I say Nate is motivated. You know, sometimes Nate isn't motivated. I, 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 I don't guess know. Do you Nate think he's so? motivated for this one? Hmm. To give a middle finger to the UFC and kind of fuck their plans will be will be a huge kind of feather in Nate Diaz's Maybe, camp. or else he's like, fuck these guys. I'm not giving them a fight. I'm, you know, I, I could see it. I could see one that he is. I suppose, but yeah. I'm expecting him to come out here, you know, ready to go and in shape and ready to try and drag this into deep waters. But yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a very difficult uh, task if Shimaev implements a semi decent game plan. Yeah. Um, 
I was going to talk about what's next, but we'll talk about that next week. I suppose maybe there'll be um, maybe there'll be more fallout, and maybe the, the post fight press conferences and stuff. We we might get more of uh, you know, a look at that. I just hope. Just before we go, Kutalaba is fucking twenty eight years old. What the fuck is that about? Wait, what age do you think he was? I don't know, like thirty four or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, uh, so MMA is weird these days because. There's a lot of people like they're 27, 28 and everyone's saying, oh, they're still young. It's like, Jesus. Uh, if you think about that in soccer terms, if Man United is like sign a 20, 28, 29 year old, I'm like, ah, Jesus, lads are getting a bit old. Like, they're fucking, fucking Casemiro at 30. It's like, ah, sure, Jesus. The boys will have been signing fucking 100 year old, you know? In the weird way, sports yeah. are different. It, it, in MMA, though, it's kind of division dependent as well. Like, it I is. Suppose, like, yeah. You know, 38 in the heavyweight division is kind of prime. <laughs> I wonder will MMA get younger as as the sport kind of gets more traction. Like, I think that a lot of it is a function now if people don't find MMA until probably in their late teens yeah. and they have to have five or six years. I think you're probably right because the, yeah. the, the most stacked divisions are probably the, you know, yeah, probably the ones that are, you know, uh, there's more, obviously there's more kind of little guys than super heavy guys in the world and, if if more talent does come to the division, but these these big like for the heavyweight division in particular, these big guys they're probably like you know in America they're going for NFL contracts or yeah. whatever or NBA or you know there's, there's other options there for them. Rather the small guys is not really that many options for them. <laughs> you know if you're Demetrius yeah. Johnson in the NFL you're probably going to get broken in two like uh, <laughs> trying to trying to go up against these big guys so. Yeah, maybe maybe as the the heavier divisions have more kind of more uh, fighters in them and more the sport grows and more people see it as a viable kind of career opportunity for a sports person who maybe has other options as well. You know, maybe maybe that will become a thing of the past where where your prime is your mid thirties or late thirties as a heavyweight. But looking at the the guys coming up, I don't know. I think we might be waiting a while for that. Yeah, indeed we might. Uh, there's another good card next week as well uh, KSW actually have a really good card on Phil DeFries is farting uh, farting <laughs> he's fighting Ricardo Brazil who used to play for Chelsea apparently so uh, yeah that's uh, that'll be fun Tom Breeze is back here as well he's fighting KSW for the first time apparently Tom Breeze is a big fan of the podcast I never knew I, I heard it from sources there so hello Tom if you're listening he's fighting Damian Janikowski which should be a, a very very good fight I, I'd be interested to see Tom Breeze as well you know after Leon Edwards won the title a couple of weeks ago you know fighting out of the same gym and doing a lot of coaching in that gym as well I wonder will that give Tom Breeze a bit of an impetus to go on and stretch on his career and I, I don't know maybe I, I just I, I still hold out hope for Tom Breeze and I'd be interested to see uh, him in that one um, there's some other you know pa- Paul Politio as well who fights out of uh, SBG uh, in Dublin he's fighting well San Martinez uh, Emil Weber Mech is on this card as well Thomas Ranikovsky so there's some very good names on this and uh, if you want some European MMA it's a big battle for European MMA at the moment you know we have Paris obviously this week and we have Bellator Dublin coming up and we have PFL uh, around the UK as well and I'm sure PFL maybe or, well, I'm not sure but maybe they'll become to Ireland as well it's it's a big time for European MMA in KSW I was doing good things there as well so fair play it to them um, alright Graham we will uh, we will leave it there head on over patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast it is the start of the month so you'll get a whole month for uh, for one uh, I think it's 450 plus tax so it's not that uh, not that expensive at all you pay that for a hot chicken roll you know so might as well 
uh, get a full month of podcast for the same price as that and uh, head on over to Manscaped as well use the promo code SEVERAMA for 20% off and free shipping there as well all right everyone thank you very much for listening to the podcast you're great people all together fair play to you you're as good as eric tin hag not as shitty as uh Jurgen Klopp and frank lampard though so you know, <laughs> fair play to I, I i i feel like i didn't get enough um of slagging you because like we had recorded the podcast was it like just before the match or something i don't know i can't remember but you mentioned you it know. about 14 times in the yeah. podcast about <laughs> I'm going to milk it now for as much as I can. So we probably... Living in the past. past. (laughs) I'm really turning into a Liverpool fan. (laughs) That'd be great. great. All right, we leave it there, everyone. Thanks for uh, listening. And uh, we will leave you on Graham's quote of the week. Graham. I was happy in the haze of a drunken hour, but heaven knows I'm miserable now. We'll see you next Tuesday. Or probably Sunday.